How do you pay, man? Huh? If you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Straight cash, homie. Well, all right. Yeah. ten grand to me. Yeah. You know, ever since I turned pro in 1989, when I signed the dotted line, it was strange. Things change for the better and for the worse. So I called my mama and she said, baby, What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. That's right, episode number three, the NFL Draft, now in the rear view mirror. And we're going to sit here and talk about it and the financial impacts of it because that's what we do here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. My name is Neil Rule, local sportscaster here in the Detroit area. I'm joined, as always, he's... He's the brains of this operation. I'm just the voice. He's the brains. He is Cam Evans of the Evans Law Group, also a, a shareholder, stakeholder in Pivotal Sports Management as well. Very well-versed in the sports agent game. And, Cam, as always, man, it's great to be back with you. And Big-time topics, the NFL draft. We have a lot of dollars and cents to talk about. It was certainly an interesting draft, and it was interesting from the standpoint of the business implications that we saw before the draft and what's happening now afterwards. Absolutely. As always, a Straight Cash Homie podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. And uh, really taken aback. You guys seem to like it a lot, so we're going to keep doing it, Cam. You ready to roll? Ready to roll. Let's go with number three. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Episode number three. And, uh, Cam, the big talk, the big discussion as the NFL draft was shaken out, especially locally here in the Detroit area, Uh, Jake Butt was a big topic of discussion in that, and there's a couple of different angles that we're going to attack this through, uh, through playing in his bowl game. But the thing that made headlines, the insurance policy that Jake Butt took out, a, a quote-unquote loss of value policy. And Cam, these are these are very, very common throughout sports, not just football, but we see it in basketball as well, guys that maybe want to test the waters for the NBA, decide they're going to come back to school. You see this. It's across the board. And really, essentially what it is, is they're protecting themselves against what it says, a loss of value. And Jake Butt obviously had that, that very grotesque knee injury in the Orange Bowl for Michigan. But break it all down for everybody, Cam, that this whole loss of value insurance policy, how does this work and, and how does Jake Butt go about doing this? Well, a um, couple different angles here. And the first one is um, deciding who's going to pay for it. Uh, and so what, what, what I have heard, I haven't seen his policy, haven't talked to him. Uh, but it certainly looks like it is something that you know his family provided for him, like going out and getting car insurance. You're going to be paying a premium on it, um, but not everybody uh, is going to be in a position who's playing you know, college football or college basketball uh, to be able to pay for the premium right. of that. And you can't have an agent pay for it. Um, you're not talking about a car insurance premium here, but you're going to pay 625 bucks over six months for uh, a deductible, a collision deductible and stuff like that. Correct. They're, 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 they're rather healthy premiums. <laughs> uh, but there's also a provision uh, that allows universities to petition the NCAA to allow the university to go and pay for loss of value uh, insurance for, for certain players. James Winston had that down at Florida State. Uh, Florida State cut a check uh, for his loss of value, and that was deemed uh, – it was approved by the NCAA, uh, but it's something they have to go through and, and get approval and notification of the NCAA. And then other than that, you're negotiating with the insurance company to be able to come to an agreement as to where do we think you're going to be s- selected in the upcoming draft and everything goes as planned. And so Jake Butt, you know, everything that we're hearing, that, you know, he was slotted to go – you know, midway through the second round is what he agreed upon with his insurance company. And, you know, and everything that he dropped below that that pick that was agreed upon, he had $10,000 per 
lost draft pick, and he ended up going obviously in the first with the first pick of the fifth round to the to the Broncos. Um, and and that's what you're looking at. It is it is insurance against the the loss of value that he had as a professional player or soon to be professional player based on an injury that he had. Right. And, and Cam, when you look at it, and this is the takeaway that I have from your explanation and how this whole thing breaks down, he is at a disadvantage, I would think. Again, we don't have intimate knowledge of the situation, the structure of how everything went down. But as you describe it there, my question to you is, and my question to the listening audience, isn't Jake Butt and his family then at a disadvantage based on who is at the table trying to decide this thing? I mean, you have professional, you're a professional in the business with Pivotal Sports Management. This is what you do. I mean, this is the world that you live in. So I, I understand that you're going to have intimate knowledge of things that if it were my son, I'm going to come to the table. I'm not going to know what's going on. Now, I understand the NSA rules are as such, that, that that's the way that they're structured. But from 30,000 feet looking down, is that a correct assumption on my part that the family of Jake Butt, I mean, this is new to them. I mean, they're not they're not agents. They're not representatives. They're not lawyers. They're not versed in, in contractual speak and these types of things and loss of value insurance premiums and what they should be. Isn't he at a big disadvantage not having somebody at the table that, that's versed in these types of situations? He could be. I mean, one, you can have a university that's going to assist him in the process, and, and they have experience through it. Right. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, in a situation like, you know, if it came to me, you know, it'd be something that I'd have to do with my lawyer hat on, and I'd have to charge him. Right. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a booster at his university because I buy football tickets. Right. And so I can't give him extra benefits. He's a, he, he's a student athlete. That jeopardizes his eligibility so you could do it and they pay me by the hour and you go do it and you go work it but then obviously from the standpoint of you know with the agent hat on that you you run the risk of you know what are you going to do but under no circumstances could i in any way assist in that process or any other agent or any other booster Mm -hmm. doesn't just have to be agent could be a booster could uh, you know give him financial assistance to go and pay for that if the university isn't going to go pay for it uh, because that you know violates NCAA regs 12.1. He gives you know a special benefit. Right, but that's but it, it puts the student athlete at a disadvantage. So at the table, I mean, it, that's fair. That's fair to say, isn't it? Not? They're at a disadvantage in football. They're not as much of a disadvantage currently as baseball players because you can't even have a lawyer contact a team or having discussions with a team who's not even an agent, just a family lawyer, without right. jeopardizing your college eligibility. I'm making some exceptions for that for the Power Five conferences. But you are, and it's a situation, and it is a specialty niche to know about loss of value and then to be able to go and negotiate it um, and and be able to get a deal that that works when you need it. Mm -hmm. Because he is one of the few that have been able to actually collect on a loss of value. There's been plenty who have gone into litigation uh, over it because the insurance company says, well, you didn't lose it. wasn't a loss of value because there was some injury that nagged you your senior year. You didn't play well. And that's why you dropped three and a half rounds. He right. was a clear cut case. Yeah. And when you look at this, and this could be a whole nother show, like this could be a whole nother hour long show. We could get into the theories and the philosophies. And for the sake of everybody's time, we'll, we'll digress and, and really zero in on this entire Jake Butt thing because it was interesting to me on Twitter as the draft was going down, there were Jake Butt uh, contract kicker tweets going out and, oh, he just made another 10,000. He just made another 10,000. But what the people don't know, and, 
and I don't want to say it's been underreported, but this is a fact of life. So Jake Butt, for those who don't know, takes in 540,000 ballpark figure, maybe 543, somewhere around there, north of 500 grand, right around the 540,000 dollar mark. So he falls to the fifth round. The Denver Broncos take him. All rookie contracts now are slotted. You're going to get what you get, and that's pretty much the story. It's not like the the wild, wild west days, which we will talk about in a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll go back and take a look at the whole Joey Bosa situation from last year and get into more rookie contract language. But for now, we're, we're talking about Jake Butt here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. Neil Rule and Cam Evans with you. Cam Evans of the Evans Law Group and Pivotal Sports Management. So Jake Butt slides to the fifth round of the Denver Broncos. His deal will be worth about $2.7 million, give or take a couple bucks, $300,000, give or take a couple bucks in a signing bonus. Now, he was projected to be maybe a second-round pick, high-end second-round pick. The Bears took a tight end at the beginning of the second round, Adam Shaheen. Adam Shaheen's going to get $5.9 million over the value of his contract. So if you go dollar for dollar, and, and math is my strong suit, I'll be the first one to tell you, Cam, 5.9 minus 2.7, that's three and some change, right? <laughs> so so as the thing breaks down, yes, Jake Bud is it was wise to do this this loss of value insurance, yes, if he collects it, right? I mean, that's and that's something that's a whole other genre. He's scheduled to get this five hundred forty-three grand of tax-free money if he collects it. Now, with all that being said, yes, it was a good play by him. However, maybe was it such a good play by him playing in the bowl game? Well, the bowl game is another question because it, it it provided him obviously some cushion. You know, it's better. He's better off having the 500k than not having the 500k. Absolutely. But he he left a, a lot of money on the table, um, short term and potentially long term. You know, you, you you hope and assume everything is going to come back and he's going to be able to be fine. Uh, but you know, it's a significant knee injury. Right. And you 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 end up you know losing a half a step a step in the pros three or four years earlier, let's say than he, than he otherwise would have. He's losing money at the back end potentially. They're hoping, what, August, September, he's going to be able to be back. So he's not doing anything right now from the standpoint of, you know, the team activities. Uh, won't be in there for um, training camp. And that all impacts your your playing career. Right. And they're short in the NFL. NFL, everybody says, you know, not for long. They didn't coin the phrase, but it's a great phrase to use. And so you look at it, you look at, you know, the 45th pick in uh, the 2016 uh, draft. You know, he signed for a little bit under five five $5.9 You know, this year. 45th, you're probably looking at $2 million in a signing bonus. Right. And that's your guaranteed mo- – in the second round, that's your guaranteed money. No matter what. Because there's going to be nothing else guaranteed, mm-hmm. pure and simple. And so Jake's – you know, he's got three hundred k, you know, as his signing bonus. And, you know, that's nice to have. Nothing to sneeze at. No. Uh, but that's a huge difference between that and looking at, you know, $2 million in the form of guaranteed money. They get that money. Nobody's taking away from them. It is there in their pocket. Right. Where everything else, you know, you look at, you know, even his $2.7 million four-year deal he's going to get as a first round or the fifth round, the first pick in the fifth round, that's not guaranteed. If they say, guess what, you know, you're physically unable to play, we're not going to, we're going to cut you, we're going to cut you after year one, you know, he only collected in the first year of that. Those three years go bye-bye. Um, and and that's, that's a big risk. And so you get somebody like him, that's, that's a lot of money to leave on the table. Right. And I would contend, too, it hurts you double in the from the angle of these years are gone now for Jake Butt. Years one through four with a, with a team option for a fifth. Those years are gone. You have a finite amount of earning time. 
say he, the, the say he beats all the odds and, and has a 10-year, 12-year NFL career, that's still 40% of his NFL career is now attached to this deal, this fifth-round deal, when if he skips the bowl game, it's a second-round deal. He will never – the moral of the story is this. He will never recoup that lost money. Never. No. Unlikely, I would say. I wouldn't say never, but I would say you know, it becomes unlikely. If he becomes – the next greatest tight end in the league. Well, he'll be paid as such. Then and then and then and then yeah, then he'll be paid as such. But you still have this delta sitting out here. Right. Is that he, if he would have become the next best player in the league and have been the second round pick, he still would have two point five more million dollars in his pocket. Yeah. yeah and hopefully, he, it would stay in his pocket. But yeah, that he would have that, and he can't get this back. Right. I mean, it is gone forever. There's no going back for Jake. But which, which spins it into the question. Cam, and you and I were talking about this in our, in our world-famous pre-production meeting where all the big decisions go down here on the Straight Cash Homie podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can subscribe to it on iTunes as well. Neil Rule, Cam Evans with you. Cam of the Evans Law Group and Pivotal Sports Management. When you when you parlay all this and when you break it all down, and this is my takeaway from it, Jake Butt, Penalized to the tune of $2.5 million for playing in a meaningless bowl game. It wasn't meaningless to Michigan fans. I get that. They're back, all that kind of stuff. The, the, the Orange Bowl, all that, whatever. That's a different argument for a different show, different genre. Jake Butt penalized. Leonard Fournette skips his bowl. Christian McCaffrey skips his bowl. Jake Butt's teammate, Jabril Peppers, skips his bowl. All three of those guys go in the first round. None of those guys get hurt playing in a meaningless bowl game. Why would you ever play in the bowl game ever again, Cam? Why? As a player, if you're looking from the standpoint of what is your next career step and your college career is coming to an end, and the whole thing is to prepare you for the NFL. And right. what's gonna? And now the question's going to come, and this is the, 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 the chirps they'll hear in their ear from their family, from their advisors, mm-hmm. from their friends, from agents that they're talking to. Um, is, you know, what do you gain at this point by playing in the bowl game? What do you risk in playing in the bowl game? What do you gain by not playing in the bowl game? Right. What do you risk by not playing in the bowl game? What do you risk not playing in the bowl game? If you're looking at, you know, you're going to be a, you know, a top 120, you know, one of the top 125 players in the draft, not playing in the bowl game, you're not going to risk much because they have the tape on you. They have everything. One bowl game is not going to make a difference from the standpoint of where you're going to go in that draft. There will right. be a lot of other things. It's the tape that they have. It's the people they've talked to. And it's what's going to happen during the draft process. Um, the benefit of not playing in the bowl, you know, you, number one, obviously, is not getting hurt, which is a huge benefit. Two, they can start training earlier mm-hmm. for the combine. Uh, and that, you know, third week in February comes around quick. In which, and, and, we, in which we all know we've seen fortune swing. At the NFL Combine, both good and bad. Good and bad, and it, it gets you prepared and also allows your body to heal up. I mean, all of a sudden, if you're, if you're playing a January 1st, 2nd, or 3rd bowl game, you know, that is still another four weeks of wear and tear on your body after a long season. A long career. And, right, and then all of a sudden you're like, I need to be as healthy as I can be come Combine time so I can perform at my best. And so I'm, I risk... The re- it reduces the risk of getting hurt during training. And so you have, you know, now all of a sudden, if you're looking at, I can start this up like mid-December, then, you know, it allows you to be in a better position 
to perform um, as well as you can at the combine, reduces the risk of injuries, allows your body to heal. Right. And, which is important. And so what's the benefit of playing? All right. You got your teammates. You got the college. It's a college experience. It's your last game. It's a bowl. You it's can a make fun a whole trip. bunch of people some money. It's a fan. It's a fun trip. You know. You can make a university some money, a coaching staff some money. Everybody can get some money, except you. Except you're not going to get any money out of it, and you risk losing money. So it'll be really interesting. So, so I mean, that sentence right there, Cam. I mean, that's it. To, to me, that's it. And, and look, I'll even go NCA correct on you, and say, if it were any other student. If it were any other student, the bottom line is preparing yourself for the job market and putting yourself in the best possible position for your employer when your time is done in college. That's what it's all about. That's why I went to school. That's why you went to school. That's why there's 22,000 people at Oakland University down the road right now. That's what they're doing. We, we all did it for a purpose, for the job market. That's why we. That's why we all do it, all of us, every single college student, then, now, in the future. That's what it's all about. That final sentence you just had there, why? If, if, you, if you go down the T column, the old-fashioned pros and cons T column, the con list is way longer than the pro list. Oh, it is. It is. It especially then why ever play? Well, it, it, <laughs> you, play, you play for a different reason than worrying about your, your, your career in the NFL, or at least your initial part of that career. And I, I think next year you're going to see a fallout. I, yeah, you're going to see far more players who are going to take the same position that the bowl games are not worth the risk that they present when you have somebody who is going to be in the top three or four rounds of the NFL. The question is going to become how far does it bleed down? Right. If you have somebody who's a projected seventh rounder is going to be a undrafted rookie free agent, are they going to say – all right, I'm not going to risk it. And then all of a sudden you have people who aren't making the wisest decisions. It'd be like, you know, all the juniors who declared early this year, you know. You still had, you know, 25 30% of them go undrafted. You know, they're not necessarily making wise decisions. But when I was that age, I wasn't making wise decisions either. Well, n none of us were. <laughs> none of us were. There's no question about that. This is the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. My name is Neil Rule. He is Cam Evans of the Evans Law Group. Uh, also of pivotal sports management, very well versed uh, in the aging game because that's what he does. So we uh, we go to the expert here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast, talking dollars and cents of the NFL draft, the whole Jake Butt scenario, and, and wrapping it up, Cam. I just don't understand the point of ever playing, and, and I would go in so far as to say, I don't care if I'm playing for a national title. And yeah, the fans will be upset. The coaches will be upset. People around the university will be upset. But you know who will be upset? If I don't have $2.7 million that I would have had before? Me. And, and what's it all boiled down to? And that's going to be things that are going to be running through kids' heads. And whether it's their thoughts or their family thoughts, friends' thoughts, advisors' thoughts, wherever it is, is what are you putting here? And then you get somebody, you take Peppers for, for an example. So, you know, he, he wasn't set on declaring, and he still didn't play. So are you now going to have juniors who are eligible to that declare early, fence, right. and, and they now are going to say, well, it may or may not be my last college game, but I'm not going to risk it, and therefore I'm not going to play in, in, a, in a bowl game because I haven't made up my, my decision yet as whether or not I'm going to leave college and declare for the NFL draft. And then you have people who, in those situations, who don't play, let's say, and decide not to declare for the NFL draft 
I think probably highly unlikely. And then the question is going to be, well, what are, they got to come back into that team, right? And now you got to go fight another year, the wars of a football season, and you have a situation. You had somebody who you know was not the teammate at that point in time, right? Are you with us? or Are you not? Right, as opposed to Jake, who's a you know he's a senior. He wasn't. You know, it that was, was his last game. Yeah. And, you know, everybody, Fournette and Ricky, they weren't coming back. You know, they, this was it. Right. So, Cam, the, all this points to something that I wanted to shift gears a little bit here in terms of the NFL draft. And this has become popular in the agent world, in the labor union world, th- this terminology. And this is something that hasn't been discussed about in the mainstream sports media. The, the language of these contracts. Now, we talked about it when the new collective bargaining agreement came up. That was 2013, correct? Uh, the new collective bargaining agreement came out in 2011. 2011, okay. It just time flies, buddy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But it was the Wild West for these rookies in the NFL draft. I mean, we saw astronomical numbers. Matt Stafford here in Detroit uh, got paid. Sam Bradford is is the case study, really, for all this. Sam Bradford was guaranteed $50 million before he ever stepped on a football field. And the owners were like, this is crazy, everybody. We need to figure out a way. So essentially now they have revamped the rookie scale. Every salary is slotted, which a lot of you out there that are listening know here in the Straight Cash Homie podcast. The salaries now are all slotted. You're going to get what you're going to get. However, now there's been discussions and, and Joey Bosa was really the biggest public example of that last year the terms offsets and timing of bonus payments we all know what the numbers are going to be now the the sticking point for everybody is when are we getting these guarantees and this offset language Joey Bosa again last year you, you may remember held out for 40 plus days he held out into July some people said that that hurt him negatively for his performance last year for the San Diego Chargers. But he got caught up haggling with, with, with the San Diego Chargers about when he would be paid his bonus and the whole offset language. So before we get deeply into it, explain what offsets are because it's one of those terms we hear, but we don't listen, I guess. Right, so you, you, let's look at the like the top 20 draft picks. Um, so they're going to have large, large signing bonuses, which is their guaranteed money um, and it doesn't always work out and you get them cut and they get re-signed um, but they are owed money uh, over their contracts they will have the odd guaranteed contracts um, that they'll be owed even after they're cut by the, the team in that unlikely scenario but they go sign with somebody else uh, then team number one says well we shouldn't be paying you what we owe you because you now have another lucrative contract with somebody else and you've been made whole. You know? well, but let me pause you right there. Even though they signed this deal saying we would give you this amount of money. Correct. Okay. But they also want to have in that same deal saying that we're entitled to an offset. So if you go sign another deal that puts a you know, half million dollar signing bonus in, in, in your pocket, even though we cut you and we didn't think you were good enough, we should get credit for that and the goal here is to say you should be in the exact same position you were financially as if our deal made it to the end of the finish line and you should not be quote-unquote double dipping and receiving two paychecks even though the contracts are see and and we talked about this in the pre-production meeting too and you saw my head just explode you signed the deal like you signed it saying we would give you x amount of of dollars You, you it doesn't matter what you get in and above that the contract's over they said hey we're done here 
Right, and and that is the position that the players take. That's a position or try to take and that their agents try to take. Uh, team standpoint says, well, you know, as part of that same contract is that we have an agreement that we get to offset what you sign in a follow-up contract if we terminate this contract early. Um, and it's a way to save the team money. That's what it is. And, and, it, and, yeah, and to recap, Joey Bosa went to war, but went to the ultimate – <laughs> the yes. ultimate holdout with the San Diego Chargers over this very language to say, hey, there will be no offsets. Whatever you give me, you give me, and that's it. Right, and 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 the Chargers had long history of, well, long history. This all came about 2013 right. is when teams started to really, really go across the board demanding offsets. Uh, well, throughout for, history, though, the Chargers have had kind of a reputation of being a, a nickel and dime Organization, organization. Right. So it, it's something that's really come to light in the last, you know, four to five years. It's it's leverage for the teams. Uh, it's obviously something that they think is in their financial best interest to do it. Um, but no, he went to war, and he 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 didn't win that part of the war. Um, but the other part of it is, you know, if you have to have an offset, which all twenty, except for the Jaguars who don't require offsets, you know, this is just a requirement now if you're a top 20 pick, at least based on 2016's numbers, um, then you want to put as much money in your pocket from day one as possible. And so you want to have as much of that signing bonus paid up front. You know, up front for them, you mean you're going to get paid in, you know, August, September. Um, because that money now has been paid. It's no longer owed. Mm-hmm. Therefore, your your offset will be reduced. Um, but given what the, you know, what the CBA is currently, Nobody holds out. Bosa, as you said, was very odd, unlikely to happen again this year, um, even though it could. And everything comes. Players get signed. There are no holdouts come July 1 right. uh, on, on a regular basis. Players get signed because there's nothing to negotiate. Here's the standard player contract. You can negotiate paragraph 5 salary. You can negotiate signing bonus. You can negotiate um, e- e- some other typical small bonuses that are going to roster bonuses and the like. And, you know, what are we going to do with offsets? And the teams are pretty uniform on the offset. Right. And, and the other issue, that, the side issue that's come up is the timing of the bonus payouts. And people hear the term signing bonus. They think, all right, you sign the contract. They hand over a check. You have a $50 million signing bonus. All right, here's your check for $50 million. That's not the way that works. Uh, when Peyton Manning signed his rookie deal, it it took a long time for him to get all of his signing bonus. They were structured. They came at at set amount of times. Joey Bosa was another guy that challenged the language of this and said, hey, if this is a signing bonus, I sign. Where's the bonus? Right. And 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 that's a a big thing because you do not, you don't even get it typically now when you're you're signing because it is delayed and the more they can delay it, um, it, it, it helps teams financially. It helps them from a tax situation. Um, but the one that really kind of changed the landscape here uh, was the Miami Dolphins when they selected um, Ryan Tannehill um, because he ended up getting his bonus uh, basically end of August, which was unheard of up until right. that point in time because it was like we'll give you half at midseason and half of your signing bonus at the end of the season. Um, and players were, and their agents were like, well, no, we want the money now. Not only protects you a little bit more financially, uh, it also gives you the the use of the money. You know, right. if you have the money and the stock market's doing well and that's where you're invested, all of a sudden that money's worth more. Absolutely. I mean, there's risk in that. But yeah, well, you're making the interest. I mean, even if you stick it in a, in a simple 
savings account. It, it's it's one tenth of one percent going to you as opposed to going to the organization that's holding the money at the time. I mean, it, it's not just the ten million dollars. It's the ten million dollars with all the earning potential that comes with it. Right. And and and, and players like to have that money. Working for no, them. Yeah, and I would hit that one. I'm no different. If, that, <laughs> if I had a $10 million check waiting for me out there, guess what? My wife and I, would want that in our account <laughs> and, and, and not hold it in somebody else's account. Absolutely. And, you know, we're talking the NFL draft here on the Straight Cash Homie podcast. Neil Rule, Cam Evans with you. Cam of the Evans Law Group and Pivotal Sports Management. The, the, the other story I wanted to get to uh, about this year's NFL draft, Cam, is something that we saw and – we saw it here in Detroit because there was a lot of talk of linebackers and, and fans wanted linebackers. And we saw a situation with Reuben Foster of Alabama. This was a guy that a lot of people projected would be the maybe a top 10 pick, maybe number 11, somewhere in that early teen range. Lions fans were hoping he would fall to them comes out he ends up going at the end of the first round to the San Francisco 49ers and when you look at the salary structure and you look at the way that these slots that we were just talking about the way that they're designed this guy lost many many millions of dollars because of medical test so if if you had to, if you had to sign a big loser to to the draft a big financial loser for the first round Ruben Foster's got to be up there Oh, without a doubt, he's up there, and 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 he only he, and he lost guaranteed money, because those that's the signing bonus money. Right, that is difference in millions of dollars mm-hmm. in signing bonus between going and taking even the fifteenth and thirtieth pick. I mean, um, astronomical difference. Um, and whether it was because who knows why? You've heard a lot of different stories, um, and not know what was running through exec's head and everything else. Right. But he he got passed up on a and a year that linebackers were going. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he certainly didn't handle things as well as he could have at the Combine. Um, and whether that scared teams away, whether it was the shoulder issues that scared them away, whether it was potential off-field conduct or people they hung around, if that scared people away, whatever, you had somebody who had the talent to be up there and getting picked, you assume between, you know, let's, let's be generous here or, and say and not generous. Let's be conservative and say between the 11th and 20th pick, right? Um, who fell and every time, you know, he starts dropping. You start getting to the 16th and 17th. Every you know, all the commentators. The first thing is it going to be, you know, is Foster going here? Is he going here? Is he going here? And he kept dropping, and um, you know, he ended up, you know, still doing well, but not as well as he could have for whatever reasons uh, that made him drop to the to the 49ers. So certainly, Cam, it was an NFL draft that we saw. The storylines always play out. They do, and we see a lot of the same storylines. Players fall, players rise. I guess the moral of the story, Cam, as we wrap things up here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast, NFL Draft Edition, the moral of the story, when we boil it all down, Cam, is that maybe you shouldn't maybe you shouldn't play in the bowl game because there's, there's no good reason to. Again, as you go back to the T-column thing, and it's all about the guaranteed money, and it's all about when you're going to get that guaranteed money, and that's it. It's a business. <laughs> it's a business in college. It's a business in pros, and these, this is their career. 
and you look at it and you certainly will, will be interesting and you know especially uh, you know a running back's going to go running backs mm-hmm. you know we talked about this uh, you know on uh, uh, i think the second show that we did um that they run a greater risk of being injured just by the position that they're playing in and they're already in a devalued position from the nfl standpoint uh, because running backs are no longer at the premium they once were. Offenses are throwing. You got one running back right now in Peterson who's above $10 million a year in contract for a running back. You got Bell who signed, you know, uh, you know the franchise the tags. Tag yeah, 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 so that's 12.2. He might restructure. He might send a long-term deal. It gets him over 10. But that's it from a running back standpoint. And you look at other positions, there are plenty of others. You got people that are making more than $10 million a year. And running backs' careers, as short as everybody else's careers in the NFL, they're the shortest. Yeah, they're yep. They are the shortest. You lose a half a step, and all of a sudden you're getting replaced. You haven't lost a half a step, Cam. Money Never had as always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we uh, we will wrap things up here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast as as the summer gets gets ready and get going. I know you have to prepare for the MLB baseball draft coming up. You know that'll that'll be something that we'll keep an eye on and see how things shake out. Next show, I, I want to get into. The, the rights fees and the TV money and everything that's going on with all these leagues. And, and we've seen a lot of shakeout from ESPN, a, a lot of, of talent getting 86th uh, at ESPN. And I want to not necessarily dive into that per se, but these sports rights and everything, the fallout from these sports rights contracts that were signed, I think we've seen the bubble burst in that industry, Cam, a lot like the mortgage uh, bubble of 2008, 2009 bursting. I think we're seeing that in, in terms of rights fees for leagues. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, nobody's going to sit there and pay what the ESPN paid for nope. the NBA. And, 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 and the impact of that is not only for the employees of ESPN and other people that support it. And you're going to have a sea change for salary caps because this is what has drive, especially the NBA. You want to see huge increases in the cap numbers. It's all because of the TV deal. So right. that TV deal changes to the negative. Now you're going to be fighting over a smaller amount of money, a uh, smaller pool, uh, with the same amount of hands and mouths. And Who it, have grown it, accustomed to a certain situation. And may not understand why all of a sudden, why can't I be paid this amount still? The union, why shouldn't? And you're going to see, I, I, you're going to have some significant labor uh, issues between the teams and the unions to, again, talk about how much of that pie revenue sharing is going to go into the salary cap. Right, so we'll get back at it. The NBA Finals will be coming up. It'll be a good time to, to dive into that. Rights fees as a whole and everything like that. Can't wait, Cam. Looking forward to it. Good job today, as always. Same here. Always a pleasure. Appreciate all you guys listening to the Straight Cash Homie Podcast on iTunes. You can subscribe. Also available on SoundCloud as well. And a big thank you to everybody that listened. Big thank you to Mike Parsons on the production credit as well. Dan Glyatt for some production credit also Until the next episode of the Straight Cash Homie Podcast, this is Neil Rule for Cam Evans saying, well, see you later.